Well, there you go. Well, I don't have a long time today, so I'm going to have to sort of get straight into it. And uh, if you're a guest, uh, I want to welcome you here today. I know you already have been welcome, but it's always good to, to welcome guests. And uh, I'm going to jump straight into uh, what God has been putting on my heart. So let me say this. In the last sort of five weeks, I feel like God has been speaking to our church about some real specific things. There have been some themes that have been uh, weaved through. And if you've been here over the last five weeks, you would have seen this. In fact, so interesting that when Pastor Corey came and he began to share, people said afterwards, have you stitched us up? They said, did you tell him to say all of that? I said, I don't tell anyone. I mean, he can say whatever he wants. It was so fascinating to me that when Pastor Corey came, he shared out of the same book. He shared that out of the same heart. And a lot of it has got to do with having God as your father and, and, and being found in Him and learning where your authority comes from and learning about your identity. I think for Christian people, one of the things that, you know, if we can say, you know, the enemy, if he's going to attack us anywhere, he wants to rob people of who they are. If you can talk someone out of who they are, they don't know what they're able to do. And I feel like that's exactly what's been happening. And God has just been reminding His church, hey, guess what? I've given you an assignment. You're on point. There are things that I've called you to do. I've, I've made the way. So what I want to do today, I want to talk about that in kind of this summary of what we've been talking about over the last five weeks. So I'm going to sort of, you know, start at the beginning and work from there. At the beginning. I mean, like right back at the beginning. In the beginning, right back in the beginning, God created. And He did a ripper job. I mean, He just created and created and created you know, can you, I don't even know how decisions are made in heaven. I kind of feel like this, like the father was sitting there and the Holy Spirit walks in. He goes, I've got this great idea. And he goes, I know. And right then Jesus goes, hey guys. And they go, yeah, we already thought about that. And it's like, great. And they just move forwards from there because <laughs> they already know, because they're already in agreement. They already, they all know at the same time. So they, they come up with this idea and they say, we're going to create something. The thing about God is when He creates, He just creates because it's who He is. Do you know that God creates things that we will never see? And do you know that we don't need to see it to glorify Him? Do you know that creation itself actually glorifies God? That in fact, He doesn't need us to marvel at His creation and say, you're amazing for Him to feel validated. He doesn't need that. He creates it. In fact, someone this morning said somewhere, it might have been in our prayer meeting, he said, even the, the rocks themselves will cry out. Creation itself glorifies God. And I, I, and I believe points to a creator. Don't worry about what the Pope says. If you've been paying attention this week, don't worry about what the Pope says about creation. Worry about what the Word of God says about creation. So it says, in the beginning, God created. And do you know when He created, He created so much. And He created, you know, the, the world. And He created light before the sun. How about that? Every time I think of light, it's got to come from a source. But we understand by the Word of God that light literally emanates from His being. He created light. And then He created uh, the, the world. And it was formless and void. And He began to shape mountains and all kinds of things. And it says that on the sixth day that he created, this is kind of the pinnacle of his creation after creating the animals and the fish and the birds and all the rest of it and water and mountains and, and just the most amazing stuff. After all of that, he creates this, this creature in his own image. 
And then all three of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're in on this. He creates this creature in his own image. See, you already know this. Many of you would know that you're a triune being. Okay, so your body, soul, and spirit. And it sort of represents the Father, Son, and Spirit. They're a triune being. We're a triune being. We're maybe a bit different, but in much the same way, we're created in the likeness and the image of God. And when God created us, what he did is he created us and then he named us. We heard about this last week. If you were here last week, you would have heard it. He created us and then he named us. But you know what he did? He created the animals and then who named them? Adam. So what he did is he created something and then he said, I'm going to distribute my authority through my own creation. He said, I'm going to distribute my authority through Adam. So he creates the animals, but he lets Adam actually name them. That was the idea from the beginning. Now, I don't know if you are up to speed with all of this, but people were created with glorious purpose. People were created with outrageous purpose and potential to begin to roll out the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Is that not the prayer that we pray? We say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does it get rolled out through time? Through us, through, because He distributes His authority through His people. It says that God created us in His image. And Paul writes about this and he says, for a little while, he, he, or he says that He created us and made us lower than the angels. If you read what other people, I've read some, some books and some literature about that, and they say actually the way that they should interpret that is they made people just a little bit below God. Uh, just, just a little bit below God. It kind of elevates your idea, your understanding of humanity. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing before Him. He created the angels and He created heaven and then He created the earth. But it seems to me that God and the angels appear to be, not that they are necessarily, but it's like they appear to be limited by how people partner with purpose. It appears to be the case that they're limited. Now, God is not limited by any stretch of the imagination. You and I, we both understand that. But it seems to me that God, for whatever reason, in His infinite wisdom, has seemed that He wants to work through us. And if we are unwilling to work with Him, it makes it more difficult for Him to begin to actually work through us. So when we say, your kingdom come and your will be done, He says, great, you do it. You begin to roll it out. You begin to distribute authority. I've handed it to you. I want you to begin to do this because God is not willing to do everything for us, even though He can. And the angels don't do everything for us. You know, I was, yesterday I uh, was going to a birthday and it's my sister-in-law's birthday. And Sarah's nan came over right before we left. And she um, was putting band-aids around her knuckles and I said, what are you doing? She said, I have arthritis and my hands, they're so sore. Now, I did the most spiritual thing I've ever done in the 11 years of knowing her. I said, really? I said, could I pray for you right now? Without hesitation, she said, absolutely. She put her hand out. I placed my hand over hers. I began to pray in Jesus' name. Do you know I've prayed in Jesus' name for four people over the past week 
And three of them have been healed before me right in front of my eyes. And one was a partial healing. There is authority that God has given to people to begin to roll out a kingdom. And when we begin to partner with what He's asked us to do, the things that we hope to see begin to unravel before us. But how many of us know that, you know, even though she said that her knuckles were sore, I had to speak up. How many of us know that even though she said, I'm in pain, that there was no angel that was going to miraculously appear at that point and say, stand back, Ben, I've got this. No, I said, I see a problem and I'm going to respond to it. I see a problem and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to bring the kingdom to earth in this moment. I'm looking for opportunities to see his kingdom come and to see his will be done. And where do I get my template from? Where do we get our template from? From heaven. See, if I don't see it up there, I don't really want to see it down here. So every time I encounter a problem and I think, you know what? I don't believe this is of God. I realize in that moment, suddenly, you know what? Here's an opportunity to see his kingdom come and his will be done. I know that because when I look into heaven, I see his will executed perfectly over and over and over again. And a lot of the things that I see down here, I don't see up there. So instantly when I see something and there's a discrepancy between heaven and earth in that moment for me personally, and I hope that you've been catching this over the last sort of five weeks, there's something in that moment that makes me think I want to pull heaven to earth in this moment and begin to transform what I'm seeing before me. Because a lot, a, a lot of this world has been cursed by the power of sin. You know what I think God's people are trying to do or what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to roll back the clocks and start to turn back time and, and unravel and change things back to the way that they were. Can I tell you that angels don't do everything? You already know that, but I want to bring up this scripture. I saw this the other day. I thought this was amazing. I'll read it to you, and then I'll explain it to you. You're already reading it. Don't get ahead of me. Let me Wait for me. It says, The Apostle Paul was, just so we know who we're talking about, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. How many of you have read the book of Ephesians? Awesome, 10 people. You've read the book of Ephesians. So let's, let, can, let me just look at this for a moment. It says that through the church, that's his ecclesia, his called out ones, but through God's people, that through God's people, the manifold wisdom, manifold means many folds. In this context, it means it's forever unfolding. In other words, God is so infinitely wise, you will never understand everything about Him. He could show you something new every day. You'd get to the end of your life and you still haven't seen enough. The manifold, forever unfolding wisdom of God might now be made known to the rules and authorities. Okay, I'm with you so far in the heavenly places, not in the dark places. In the heavenly places. It's not being made known to the rulers and authorities, the, the powers that try to come against the church. Nothing like that. To the, to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. Do you know I started to do a little bit of work around this and understand what it meant by how is the church revealing the wisdom of God to, to, to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? Let me explain it to you. The church reveals the wisdom of God to angels. Angels who stand in the presence of the living God, who come and go from the earth on assignment as they do, and they stand before Him, and yet it appears to be the case 
That even standing in the presence of God, there is something about him that is still obscured from view. And God is looking to his church to do a job to begin to reveal to these angelic rulers, to reveal to them how wise God is. And when you start to really think about the the, the, the power, the responsibility that God has entrusted to us, it starts to make your mind boggle. We're going to reveal to angels the wisdom of God. That means they're looking in on us and saying, at some point they go, I never saw that. I can't believe they did that. That was so clever. And, and it comes because the church begins to actually worship God. Our worship begins to reveal things about God. To even the angels themselves. You know, I have a, um, a daughter. Uh, her name's Eliana. She's just over three months old. And uh, she, we have never let anyone look after her yet. Okay, so we keep her close to us. Uh, and date night has really just bombed, you know. I mean, we don't go out anymore. We, we, we stay home a lot. And, uh, and, and pretty soon, uh, Eliana's grandparents will get a call. We need a date night again. And they'll start to maybe look after her. But at the moment, we haven't done it. And I'll tell you why. It, it's because she's so precious to us. And we want to be around her and watch over her and protect her. She's one of the most precious things that we actually have in life. And can I suggest to you today that God has entrusted great responsibility to his people, which is to take care of his babies, which is to take care of his children. And now, I, you know, I just believe that there are many people in the world today that are God's children and they don't even know it. And he's looking to his people to begin to bring a kingdom and be, to be, begin to bring heaven to earth so that in that moment, suddenly people that have been estranged from their heavenly father say, I believe. And in that moment when they believe and they give their heart and they give their life to him, suddenly they become a child of God. And they too join with all of us in revealing the wisdom and the splendor and the majesty of, of God and who he is. You know, when Jesus Christ died, one of the things that he did is he restored us to our former authority. If you look back in the garden, Adam had authority. He was given authority. And then they lost it because they rebelled against God and they, and they lost that. They, they, they sinned. Well, that's what we call it. And, and, and when Jesus died, part of the purpose was to give us back the authority that we lost. Now, whenever God gives people authority... Whenever God gives people position, whenever God gives you something, He normally gives you something for a purpose. There's, there's reason behind why God gives you what He's given to you. So can we just say this? Whenever you get given anything from God, and maybe just take stock of your life and look at what you already have. And when you look at what you already have and you realize what God has actually given to you, start to think, how could I use what God's given to me to bring glory to his name and to begin to use it for his purpose. When Jesus completed his work, he utterly saved people from sin. When he utterly saved people from sin, what that meant is that we would never have to work again to get into God's good books. It meant that even if we stuff up, listen, can we just come into agreement right now? You're all sinners. Okay, me too. We all did it. Okay, okay so we're, we're all part of this club. And we are probably going to sin between now and the end of our life. We're probably going to do something that is outside of God's will, purpose and direction for our life. Now, when God saved us, He actually took all of that away from us so that even when we mess up, we don't have to work to get back into God's good books. 
We heard from Pastor Corey a couple weeks ago that he says that on the sixth day he created man, but Adam's first day was the seventh day of creation. What happened on the seventh day? Rest. Adam's first day was a day of rest. We rest from the works, from trying to impress God. Hebrews 10, 14. I think we're going to have it come up. It says, When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That word sanctified means that you're being made holy. And it's something that you don't have to work out. It's something that God does to you. Now, listen to this. He died for your sins. He's sanctifying you. In other words, He's helping you to live the life that you're trying to live. And then He did something even more outrageous. And what I'm about to say in 10 seconds, you could spend weeks unpacking this, but He filled us with Himself. He gave people His own spirit. He poured out His Spirit into people. In fact, I was reading Ephesians 1, 3 the other day. It says we're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. When it says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, it means that God has literally given us Himself. He died for us. He set us free from sin. He, 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 he gave us His Spirit. He's helping us do life. He's sanctifying us. And the gospel, all of this, this is coming towards a purpose. I'm glad you're still following me. The gospel, that's what we just heard. That's the gospel message. You messed up, it's okay. God knows it, loves you anyway. Sent His Son to die upon the cross for your sin. Now you can be free to live the life that God called you to live. He did that so that you could rest from one work. But can I suggest this morning, he, 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 that wasn't His only purpose. He did it so you could rest from one work, but start another. You could rest from the work of having to impress Him with your behavior. Of having, you can rest from the work of, of, of having to uh, uh, earn His grace. You can't do that anyway. You're going to mess up. You're going to make, you can rest from that. But He did it so that He could, you could rest from that work, but you could begin a new work. A new work that God was wanting to roll out in Genesis and, and even after one generation, it was stopped short. Here's what you need to know. Jesus destroyed sin on the way to accomplishing an even greater purpose. He, he destroyed sin along the way. Sin was destroyed on the way to doing something else. It's as if God was looking forwards into the future. He says, this is the ultimate plan. This is the ultimate goal. Sin will be eaten up and destroyed along the way as we bring everyone towards the ultimate plan and the ultimate goal. And I'll tell you why this is important. Because if you are here today and you think that the whole reason, and the only reason, in fact, the limited reason, that Jesus came to die upon the cross was just so you could be forgiven, you're going to miss the next installment. If you think it's all about you just being able to rest, now, well, Jesus died for me, so now I can rest and put up my feet. I don't have to do anything else. Get on with life. Just live my life the way that I want to. You're missing chapter two. There is a second chapter that's coming. There is a second chapter that you're supposed to read and understand. And when Jesus came, He heralded the coming of a kingdom that He is looking to His people to begin to expand. 
Do you know what Jesus said to his disciples? He said to them, truly, truly, I say to you that there are some, thing is coming up now, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come to power. Mark chapter 9, there are some, he said this to his disciples, there are some who are standing here today and before you die, you're going to see the kingdom of God. You're going to see it come to power. Which means that at the point that he said it, it wasn't at power. Yeah? Which means that somewhere between when Jesus said that sentence and before the disciples died, at some point between those two points in history, the kingdom came to power. The kingdom came to power. That means that the disciples, that when they saw it, it became alive in that moment. Do you know what that means? It means the kingdom of God is alive and powerful today. It must mean that it's still here. It must mean that it, it, it's, it's all around us. And yet, do you know, honestly, when I meet with people, when I speak to people, so rarely do you see that kingdom breaking through into our society. So rarely do you see that kingdom starting to break through into culture. You can look at it any other way you want, I guess. But I, I really believe that Acts chapter 2, when, when the Holy Spirit came and filled people with when he filled people with his spirit, I believed that that was the moment that the kingdom came to power. And the reason I do, because you had a bunch of guys who were worried, you know, their savior just got, you know, martyred and he was hung on a cross and they're all worried and they're all up in the upper room. And then days after that, you see them standing out in front of people, you know, witnessing and preaching the gospel and 3,000 people get saved in one day. How does God take scared little people who are afraid of things that are going to happen and suddenly bang, fills them with power and suddenly all the things that they were afraid of, they've overcome and now they're preaching the gospel. He filled them with power from within. It was like the kingdom became alive. Can I suggest to you that when the kingdom comes to power, it comes alive first in you before it comes out of you. Before anyone sees it on the outside, before anyone sees it anywhere else, it's got to happen inside this place first. And I think that you would know if you were on fire, you would know if you were passionate, you would know if the kingdom had come alive inside of your heart. From this moment, the kingdom was designed to move forwards. This is what it says in Isaiah 9. It says, it says that there would be a new government. Isaiah 9 prophesying of Jesus to come. It says that there would be a new government and it would continue to increase in influence. Have you ever read that? Of the increase of its influence, there will be no end. In other words, when the kingdom that I just spoke about, when that comes to power, the kingdom of heaven will begin to expand into the world. It will begin to fan out from that place in Jerusalem. It would begin to move and it would, begin to, it would become global and it would increase in its influence. And the things that we see that are in this world that, that you know, are of this world and not of heaven, that those things would begin to retreat and come back and the, and the kingdom would begin to take ground and would begin to take territory of the increase of that kingdom of God, of the increase of its influence, there will be no end. If you were to look into your own life now, do you see an increase of the kingdom in your life? Is there an increase? Is there an increase? Is there an expansion of the kingdom of God? Is he is moving if I was to sit down with you right now and say, what is God speaking to you about right now? What is He doing? How is He influencing you? Where is He taking you? Where is He leading you? What kind of conversation would we have? You see, God is looking to the people of God to begin to roll out a kingdom. But first, 
it's got to begin and it's got to start in here. It says that there will be a new government. Now, we're about to vote in a new government in this state, aren't we? And if we vote in someone else, what happens to the other guy? He's out. And what happens when the new government comes in? They establish new, establish some new laws. They might establish some new boundaries. But all I know is that the other guy, he's out and the new guy's in. And the Bible says that he would establish a new government. That when the kingdom comes to power, there would be a new government that would be established. And it would never end in its increase and influence over the earth. It would never end. It would just continue to expand and move forwards and take over. There are new rules. See, here's the thing. There are new rules when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian and you suddenly realize that God has placed his spirit in you, the rules that you have previously been bound by become up for grabs because no longer, understand this right now, the spiritual is superior to the physical. When you see things and they don't, they're, not, they're not kingdom, they're not of God, there is a new government in place, which means you can begin to speak to that problem. You can begin to speak to that situation. And where historically people would have been saying, I don't know how we're going to handle this. The people of God step up and they say, we do. We're going to pull heaven to earth in this moment. There is distributed authority that has come from heaven to earth that started in this place. And I'm going to begin to speak it out. And this is what it looks like. That means that when sickness starts to prevail over your family and over your life, there are new rules. There are new boundaries. There are new things. Out with the old, in with the new. Where previously you would have been held, trapped, kept back, chained up, whatever it is, wherever that that sin and other issues and, and all that, wherever that has prevailed in your life previously, there is a new government that's in place. And the increase of this government, there will be no end. And it will begin to roll out and it will come out of your mouth. And you'll begin to speak. And the things that you ask for, let me tell you something. You have a reason to hope now. You have a reason to believe that when you say something, it comes true. Because the person who sits in heaven, who sits over the earth, who sits over the globe, who makes all the rules, is King Jesus. And when Jesus is in power and His government begins to get rolled out, it gets rolled out through your hands. How many people do we speak or you hear pray and they say, oh, Jesus, let us be your hands and let us be your feet. This is what I'm talking about. This is the kingdom being rolled out. When we say, let us be your hands and let us be your feet, what we're really saying is, God, let us roll out the kingdom and of the increase of this influence, there will be no end. In Jesus' name, sickness be gone. In Jesus' name, cancer be healed. And can I tell you that this is not a pipe dream and these are not hopes. This is real. I know people who have been healed of these things. People in this church, and you probably even know them, healed miraculously of cancer. And the increase of this type of influence, there should be no end. God is looking to His people to begin to pick up the thing that Jesus started. He's beginning to call upon His people to do something that that maybe they haven't done before, to look for opportunities to expand His kingdom. Can I tell you, really, I'm hoping I can do this so quickly. 
I'm going to sort of try to cut through some stuff here. It was Halloween on Friday. Yeah, you all know that, right? Okay, so, so we don't celebrate Halloween. Why? Well, you know, it is the pinnacle of the satanic calendar. And if I was to describe to you the purpose of Halloween and you have no idea and think it's lollies and games and fun and dress up, it would horrify you. But there is a reason why we don't celebrate it. And it reminded me that there is another world that is trying to influence this one and it is not going to give it up without a fight. Do you know I read in an article yesterday that three, I think it was three years ago, that there was 12 million pounds spent on Halloween in Britain. And as of this year, it was 300 million pounds. Halloween is now the third largest holiday behind Christmas and Easter. I told you, it's not going to give it up without a fight. It's fighting for influence. It's vying for influence. And I tell you what, this is how the enemy, that kingdom, that kingdom that's vying for influence in the world. Do you know how it works? It speaks to people. And when people begin to partner with it, that's where it starts to get influence. That's where it starts to gain traction. The kingdom of God works the same way. When God says something to us, when we partner with that, we extend His kingdom. When people listen to the enemy of their soul and partner with what he says into their minds, it increases his influence over the kingdom. I want to go to these stats really quick because I just think they're so important. Do you know the slide that I'm talking about? Okay. Current stats as of October 2012, 20% of Australians aged 16 to 85 will experience mental illness in any year. The most common is depression and anxiety. If you struggle with depression and anxiety, you're not a failure. But let me suggest to you in this moment that that is not God's plan for you. That is not in heaven and that is not the way God wants you to live your life. I'll move on. 45% of Australians will experience a mental illness in their lifetime. What's the most common cause? Depression and anxiety. Every day, six Australians die from suicide and a further 30 people will attempt to take their own life. Six people die every day because they have no hope. Six people die every day because they've partnered with thoughts in their mind that told them that they were a loser, that they were hopeless, that there was no reason to live another day, that the pain of death would be worse or less than the pain of life. So give up your life. Can I go to the next slide? Suicide is the leading cause of death for young people aged 15 to 24 years old. We do so much advertising about the road toll. Make sure our young people get their, their hours up in the car. Make sure that they do, I don't know, whatever it is, 160 hours in the car. We'd hate for them to have a crash on the road. They're more likely to die from suicide than they are from crashing the car. Australians are more likely to die now by suicide than by skin cancer. If you're going to die, you know, when my kids leave the house, I think, oh, I don't want them to get skin cancer. Let's cover them in sunscreen. Let's cover them in sunscreen. I don't want them to get cancer. They're more likely to die of suicide statistically as they grow up in the world. If I'm going to cover them, wow. If I'm going to cover them, I tell you something right now, I won't be covering them with something. Well, I probably will, but I'll cover them with the Spirit of God, okay? I'm going to cover them with something else. I'm going to speak to my kids about God because I don't want, I don't want, I don't want the increase of that kingdom to have an influence on the world in which we live. Oh man, I need to finish this. I have more to say. I just can't do it. Let me tell you, let me say this, okay? The world needs the people of God to be hope and light. That's your job and that's my job. The world needs us, okay? I was at a wedding recently and I was speaking and... Uh, 
it was on Friday actually, and I began to speak about the gospel. And 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 my my, if you get me to do your wedding, I mean, I'm going to mention Jesus, all right? So so here I am, and I'm talking about Jesus, and and I'm talking about how a relationship with God is one of grace, and that came because Jesus died for us, and a marriage should be the same way. And anyway, I'm talking about all this stuff straight after the service. People, I'm 250 unbelieving. You know, people come to me and they'd say, I loved what you said. I could have listened to you all day. I didn't know that that's what the Bible said. It's like when you began to speak about the Bible, suddenly it came to life. And I was like, oh, I'd love to hear more about that. I had another person that came to me and she said to me, do you know what? If there was a person like you around, I probably wouldn't have left my faith. I stopped believing in God a long time ago because of some things that happened in my life. And I turned to her and I said, listen, can I tell you some things? I began to speak to her about the Kingdom of God. I began to bring hope. I began to bring life into that person. We are supposed to bring hope and life. In fact, if we want to talk about purpose, it says that the reason that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil, to turn back time, to begin to unwrap the things that the enemy has tried to wrap people up in. And we are His hands and we are His feet and we are the ones that begin to extend that kingdom. So when we see opportunity, we take it. We take it. And we don't be intimidated and we don't step back and we don't hold back. We say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know when Jesus was taken out into the desert? Do you know what happened? It says that the uh, Satan came and he tried, the devil came and he tried to tempt him. And when he tempted him, what were the things that he said to him? He, he, he said to him, command these stones to turn into loaves of bread and, 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 and do that. He said that because Jesus was hungry. Jesus passes the first test. But what was the next one? He said, come to the top of this mountain. He says, I will give you the world. I will give you the world. I will give you the world. Just don't do what you came here to do. And the enemy would do the same to you. He would give you the world. Anything you want, anything you desire, I'll give you whatever you want. He will give you wealth. He'll give you possessions. He would give you cars. He would give you anything. Just just don't be the people of God. Because the one thing that He is afraid of, the one thing that the enemy is afraid of is you becoming who God created you to be. And as soon as you clue on to that, and as soon as you understand that, and when you see the authority that God has placed upon you, oh, the future begins to open up. And things that have been previously bound, they come off. And people begin to say, cancer, come out in Jesus' Name. And it happens. And I've seen it and I know about it and it does happen. I'm going to finish. When we choose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of Satan, which is the world, when we go His way every single time, we take back the ground that the enemy has been trying to take since the beginning of creation. Jesus came and died on the cross to provide you with salvation. That was His initial goal. The second installment, the next chapter was that you would be filled with power from on high and you'd begin to roll out a kingdom that would turn back time. You'd begin to roll out a kingdom and you would be the ones that stand up in the world and say, no way in Jesus' Name. I'm making a stand. This is where I am. His kingdom come and His will be done. So this is something you need to do. Seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity. Every chance you have. Every opportunity that comes your way and you say, that's not kingdom. I'm doing something about this right now. 
can you imagine what would happen with a group of people who lived this way? Can you imagine what the church of God would look like if every believer suddenly realised that the kingdom of heaven was not only at hand, but it was in our hearts and it was to roll out of our mouth through our hands and through our feet that we would usher in His kingdom come and His will be done. When we say your kingdom come and your will be done, He says back, great, just do it. Now do it. I'm glad you're excited about it. I want you to be excited about it but I actually want you to do it. He wants things to multiply in your hands. He wants the sick to be healed in your hands. He wants these things to happen by your hand. I don't know why, it's the way that He does it. Call it His manifold wisdom, whatever you like. But let me tell you something, He's rolling out His kingdom. He's doing it through you. He's doing it through you. He's doing it through me. And that's what I wanna see in the world today. I'm over time, I'm gonna finish. Can we stand together?